Have you ever had a moment where there's something happening and you're going, my God, I should take a picture of this, but it doesn't feel right, and you end up not taking a picture, but I wanted to take a picture when I ran into that situation the other day at work because it was surreal and probably historic, and I kind of wanted to save it for posterity, but I knew I should not. I'll tell you about that this week. We're going to talk a lot about what everybody is talking about, uh, the coronavirus, and we're going to talk about some different perspectives and some theories and not get speculative possibly, but we're going to do some what I think is some interesting and therapeutic kind of talk about the coronavirus this week on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. Let's get started right now. The other day at work, just like at your workplace, we had a, a meeting, a staff meeting with everybody in the building, in our building, um, at KDWB, and our general manager, Jeff, who is a really great, effective leader, I think, uh, he got up and he basically talked about the company policies and what we're going to do, and it was, of all the hundreds of staff meetings I've been in, in my time in radio, the most surreal and glum staff meeting ever. And there was part of me that wanted to pull out my phone just for posterity to save a picture of Jeff talking to everyone and everybody's kind of blank staring face because in 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, that would be kind of a piece of history. Don't you think? I mean, we don't know what's going to happen down the road, but it was just an interesting thing. Think about this at your work. If there was a big conference or a big meeting and your boss, she's up in front of everybody and she's telling everybody what the company policies are as you're kind of fearfully listening and then to see how that pans out in 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, whatever, to look back, that would have been an interesting picture. I didn't take it because I figured people would say, oh, God, look at Dave. He's taking pictures. Uh, inappropriate. But just kind of an inter interesting random thought. Okay, we're going to talk a lot and pretty much only about the coronavirus this week because that's what everybody wants to talk about. I'm going to start off by saying, personally, there's no alarmist stuff in this at all. There's no fear-mongering. There's, you know, you know, we're not leaning toward the bright side and all positivity. But I think what I want to do for you is get you a more balanced kind of a look at things um, to, to kind of see what this might turn into from at least one perspective. Because we really don't know. And I think that's the thing. It's so unprecedented that we're fearful of the unknown. And it was like FDR said back in the day, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Why an American president had a British accident, accent, I have no idea, but people seem to like him. We'll talk more about FDR in a second because he actually is relevant to what we're going through this week. Um, why don't we start right there? I'm going to start right there. Why is FDR relevant to what we're going through this week? You probably don't know this because you're, I'm going to guess you're young. And if you don't study history, you probably have never heard of a fireside chat. A fireside chat was what FDR did, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He was president during the Great Depression when Americans were fucked they couldn't get a job. They couldn't pay for this. They were all poor. There was, I don't think, a social safety security net back then. So if you were poor, you were living in a dirt shack somewhere with a mud floor and, you know, eating rocks. And, and I don't know. I wasn't around back then. But FDR was able to do these weekly fireside chats. It was on the radio back then, and he would calm and assure Americans. And from what I understand historically, it was very effective. And people looked at FDR a lot like a father figure, and he was able to walk Americans, handhold Americans through the Great Depression. 
whether they really were FDR um, voters or supporters or not. How does that compare to today? Um, it doesn't matter whether you like Donald Trump or whether you voted for him. That's not the point. The point is there's so many people that don't like him. There's so many people that if he said the sky was blue, they would say you're full of shit. It's not blue just because they hate Donald Trump. Why does that matter? Because no matter what Donald Trump says, and even if you're a supporter of Donald Trump, you got to admit he says a lot of stupid shit that is embarrassing to the people that do support Donald Trump. It's like, okay, I support Donald Trump, but I wish he wouldn't say such stupid shit all the time. Um, Because when somebody like that is the person who we look to to calm us, to reassure us that everything's going to be okay, we don't have a whole lot of faith in somebody like that. And that's the problem. So when half the country already doesn't like the person who's supposed to, to assure them, and then the other half doesn't really you know, don't doesn't really see him as an assuring kind of a figure. It is rough because then where do we look back in the depression? FDR was able to assure people Trump is really not as effective. And you know what? If he assures you then I'm glad if you are a Donald Trump supporter and he assures you then I'm glad of that. Um, I think of somebody like Barack Obama. Now, I didn't vote for Barack Obama, um, but I admired him and I respected him, and I thought if he was there speaking, he would be able to assure people much more effectively, I think, just because he's got that fatherly kind of a vibe to him. What do you think about that? Do you think that's true? Okay, move it on, because there's a lot to talk about. When you are washing your hands, you know what occurred to me? I'm becoming more and more of an environmentalist when I see the crazy, awful stuff we're doing to this planet and uh, the extinctions and uh, the wiping out this and the global warming and all of this, these horrible things and the plastic in the ocean and all of this. I think that one thing that people are missing in the wash your hands message, while you're washing your hands for 20 seconds, turn the fucking water off. Can you do that? Can you reach up? Can you turn the water off instead of letting it run down the drain? While you're washing your hands, hey, good, I'm glad you're washing your hands. They say it is so remarkably effective against viruses. It washes viruses right off your hands. Soap is an amazing thing. Viruses do not stick to your hands. If you can get soap between the virus and your hands, they'll come, it'll come right off. But if all of us around America are running 20 seconds of water down the sink times however many millions of us there are, that's a lot of wasted water. Turn your water off. If you're at work and there's an automated faucet or there's a, you're at a restaurant, there's an automated faucet, hey, turn the water off. I mean, move your hands away from the water so it doesn't run. Um, you know, if, if you're at home, you turn the sink on and then you wash your hands and then, then you turn it back off and then wash your hands, um, I think you're probably going to be okay. Uh, and then they say wash your phone too. Wash your phone with a Clorox wipe or whatever, and then don't pass your phone around. Don't give your phone to a server. And if you are a server and somebody says, hey, will you take our picture? Say, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I'd rather not. Another tip I picked up on this week is when somebody's like offers you a handshake. I've reacted this way a couple of times. There's a new receptionist at our station named Danny. And she introduced herself the other day, and I'm pretty friendly. I like to meet people that work at the radio station. Some people probably say I'm an asshole, but I still like to think I'm pretty friendly. Um, she puts her hand out, and I, and I reacted this way. I'm like, no, 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 coronavirus, and it made her laugh instead of feel stupid. 
Because if you go, you know, no, I'm not shaking hands because uh, coronavirus, um, that makes you feel kind of stupid. But we kind of laughed about it. And then we did the elbow bump. And we were too far away because she was behind the reception desk. So then we did a mock elbow bump, and it was funny. So there's just another. This podcast is going to be full of little tidbits like that. And it's all about the coronavirus and because that's what all we're thinking about. Now, as for me, right now it's Saturday afternoon. It is about 4.45. Um, uh, what have I done so far? Today, I'm not really watching the media. This week, all I did was check my phone hit that news app and see what the latest awful gloom and doom was. I'm not doing it today. I've checked a couple of times. I just found out that Trump has now uh, put a travel ban in effect for the United Kingdom, which, okay, that's probably a good idea. Uh, but that's all. I'm not checking. I'm not obsessive. I do notice a couple of different things in the news that there is, instead of 10 lead stories that's all gloom and doom and all bad news, there's still eight of those but now there's a little glimmer of here's some good news. Here's some people that recovered. Here's um, There was a woman who recovered. Uh, she was older, and she said, I really didn't feel anything at all, and now I'm completely recovered. And I think she was on a cruise ship, and she's completely recovered. So why the news blackout? For me, I was getting way too concerned last week. And um, so I'm going to back up for a little bit because I'm skipping all over the place. I actually wrote down a couple of little things here. So let's back up a second. A couple of days ago, my friend, my friend, my son, Carson, gets home from school. Boston schools closed earlier in the week. Harvard closed. MIT closed. It was a matter of time before his school, Berkeley College of Music, closed too. They say, okay, guys got to be out. Students got to be out by this weekend. So Carson is in a panic to take his midterms, get his stuff packed, and get it out of there, and then get home. So he was able to do all that, got his stuff to a friend's house for storage for the summer. He's done with his freshman year for the year. And that's sad because, you know, the end of your freshman year or the end of your senior year are two really big events. And you think about seniors graduating from college, how anticlimactic is that? And what happens then? Carson comes home. Glad to have him home. Glad that we're all within safe distance of each other. And by that, I mean, if he needs something, he's not a thousand miles away in Boston. He's right there. If I need something, he's right there to help me out or his mom or his sister or whatever. So we're all home and I'm glad of that. Uh, Carson, being an 18 year old college kid, believes all the shit that he hears on the Internet or from his friends. Dad, do you know if you can hold your breath for 10 seconds, you don't have the coronavirus? I said, Carson, that's actually not true. That's one of those urban legends. Not true. Yeah, it is. Jake G told me. This is his friend, Jake G. He's got Jake W and Jake G. <laughs> and probably other Jakes, too. I don't know. And I said, no, not. It's not true. Yeah, it is. I said, no, it's not. Okay. So uh, that was kind of interesting. You know, at that age, I just don't think that they really fully wrap their mind around it unless they decide to. Hey, you know what? You might be in college listening to this, and you might be really thoughtful about it. But I think Carson is that that age, or at least that mentality, not necessarily age. There's some very mature 14-year-olds who probably know more about this than you and I do. Um, but I think that Carson's at just that then mentality where it's like, yeah, it's not a big deal, hasn't affected me, hasn't affected anybody that I know. So, And you know what? Fine. He's off today. He's doing his thing. He's out with his buddies. He's selling shoes at stores, and he's having a great time. Um, uh, and then he said, you know what, Dad, I might have already had the coronavirus. I said, what do you mean? I, he said, well, I was sick a couple of weeks ago, and I went to the doctor. 
And, uh, you know, they said I was okay. Go back home, take some over-the-counter medicine, rest up, and you'll be fine. And he says, I'm fully fine now. He said, so it's possible that I might have already had it. I said, it's possible, but I doubt it because it didn't really appear here in any testing at all until, what, a couple of weeks ago when it appeared, I think, in Washington, I believe. Um, so I think that anybody who's thinking, well, I probably already had it. Please, I don't think that you did. It, I don't know. It's possible, I suppose, but I don't think that you did. Um, I know somebody else, a friend of mine, who said, you know, I could have already had it too. And I said, yeah, it's possible, but it's also possible you had one of the other dozens of strains of the flu. Moving on. So on to my media blackout and why I'm not watching any media this weekend. And I felt so much better about it is because last week I was obsessing. I was getting USA Today and reading yesterday's news about it, and I was watching Lester Holt, and I was watching CARE 11, and I think CARE 11 does a good job with it, and I turned them on this morning, and I watched Belinda for a half an hour and leave Allsvik and not one mention of the coronavirus for a half an hour, and I really appreciated that, and I love watching Lester Holt. I think he's like America's dad, and but NBC News pissed me right off the other night. Was it Friday? Thursday, probably. They're doing all the gloom and doom. Death and destruction. Death, death. Gloom, doom. Everybody's going to get it. Everybody's going to be sick. Financial, blah, blah, blah. And for about 12 seconds, literally 12 seconds, they talked about a couple that was on a cruise ship that were both about 80 years old that fully recovered. They show a clip of the the guy, the husband, saying, you know, don't be so scared of this. It's not a boogeyman. It's not going to jump out and bite you. You know, we're fully recovered. They gave this couple a literally about 12 seconds. Here was some positive news, some hope that we need, that we Americans need. And here was their chance to give us some hope and make us at least kind of breathe a little bit and go, okay, there's some hope. Fucking, MZ, fucking NBC, I'm sorry, I was so pissed that they spent 12 seconds on it. And I almost went back and recorded on my phone and put that on social media, but I didn't. I just, was, I just decided not to. But I think in the last couple of days, thank you, Carrie Levin, for Belinda and Bobby and Lee this morning with nothing on the coronavirus for a good half hour Saturday morning. So thank you for that. Um, so that's why I decided a, a, a blackout. Uh, okay, today, let's start back. Let's go back uh, last night. So um, on the way home from work yesterday, I stopped to get gas, and then I did a little scouting mission. I went into Walgreens in Chanhassen. Walked around. First thing I heard was a cough back by the pharmacy. So I said, I'm not going back by the pharmacy. I go down the aisles, toilet paper. All gone. Absolutely gone. And I said, hey, I'm not looking for any toilet paper. I don't need any. I'm just kind of looking, checking around. Um, you're all out. She's like, yep, and we don't have any in the back either. You could tell she had been a little bit annoyed with asking, answering that question all day. I'm going to stop and take a sip of tea. One second. Hold on. This is my, like, wintertime indulgence is tea. Hold on one second. The best part of the podcast is when Dave stopped to drink tea. Here we go. Hold on. How annoying is that? But it's so good. Okay. Uh, paper towels. There were paper towels. A few rolls here and there. Not a bunch. Um, and then I go over to the medicine aisle. 
all the children's liquid Tylenol, adult NyQuil, that type of thing, gone, gone, gone. Pain relievers, plenty of pain relievers. Um, and there was uh, some uh, gel, like, um, I don't know, NyQuil gel tabs and like the store brand gel tabs for, for colds. So I bought a couple of those and a bag of cough drops because I thought if it comes to my house, at least we want some cough drops. But I didn't load up a cart with all that stuff because I think that's part of the problem. And we'll get more to more of that in a second. Um, uh, and then I went down the grocery aisle at Walgreens. I hope I didn't say Walmart earlier. I mean Walgreens. And, okay, they don't have the best selection of uh, groceries in Walgreens, and they're pretty expensive. But they had plenty of everything. You know, they don't have produce. They don't have oranges. They don't have bananas. But they had plenty of everything. Uh, so I think a lot of it is where you look. So uh, then last night I go on another scouting mission. I go to downtown Victoria, Minnesota, which is a cute little area where there's about four or five bars all within a block of each other. Um, uh, there's one, it's brand new, and I can't remember, but Victoria, it doesn't matter. It's an old grocery store, and it's been converted into like an adult Dave & Buster's. Can't remember the name of it right now. It was packed. I drove by. The parking lot was packed. Talk about no social distancing. I drove around the corner. There's a couple of other bars around the corner in Victoria. Packed. Drive by. I can see through the windows. The next one. Packed. So then I'm thinking, okay, nobody is social distancing in Victoria, Minnesota. And I was kind of glad to see that. But at the same time, I was a little disappointed to see that because I know the mentality might be screw this. It's not going to happen. It's all media hype, and I'm going to go th- go anyway. Well, I don't know that I necessarily think that's the best idea. I then walked into um, uh, uh, Inky Brewing, which is your n- cool neighborhood brew pub in Victoria, and it was busy but not packed, and there were some f- empty tables here and there, so you could socially I- isolate yourself at this particular brewery. Um, so, uh, that was my little scouting mission. Um, and then I came home, watched part of a terrible movie that was so bad that I turned it off. I'm not even going to mention the name of it. I can't remember it right now. Uh, okay. So then this morning I get up and I'm like, okay, I want to, um, get some ribs for dinner or for smoking on Sunday and I need to get a haircut and I got some things I got to do. So I'm like, okay. Should I go to Cub to get meat? I go to Cub, and I got meat at a local butcher store. So the local butcher store, by the way, had plenty of meat. They were not sold out. They were not panicky. There was nothing crazy going on at the local butcher store. Go into Cub, and it was like a normal Saturday. The water was gone. They had, like, distilled water and some other big water jugs, but not the bottled, like, DeSani water or whatever. None of that. Um, I didn't go down the toilet paper aisle and I didn't go down the meat aisle, but I looked at the frozen foods, well-stocked, polite customers, nobody's rushing, nobody's panicking, and it was busy, but there were no lines that went all the way back. And I was really glad to see that. I think that, again, it goes back to the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And the panic buying and the hoarding is just as scary to me because what if you talk about, you know, 1% of the population holding most of the wealth? What about 10% of the population holding 90% of the food? That's scary. That's really scary. And think about the people who don't have the money to, to stock up, 
don't have the vehicle to stock up, don't have the means to stock up, and don't have anywhere to put it all. You live in a little apartment, I guess you can stack canned goods around your house, but don't, I, I give you full credit. You don't hoard, you stock, and there is a difference. I stock too, but I would never buy a, uh, a shopping cart full of meat or toilet paper or cold medicine. Screw water. I don't get the water thing at all. We have a great supply of city water everywhere in town. You have not heard anywhere about Italy, Japan, or South Korea running out of fresh water to drink and to cook with. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But okay, whatever. You want to blow a bunch of money on bottled water. You and I, we need water. We don't need bottled water. Toilet paper. Okay, that's another one. Yeah, toilet paper is way better than wiping your ass with like a, a dish rag. But let's face it, if it came down to it, I think we'd get okay. We'd be okay without toilet paper. There are other ways to clean up after yourself besides toilet paper. There's other alternatives. I don't want to talk about them, but there are everything from getting in the shower or a washcloth. The world will not end if we don't have toilet paper. But what will suck is if only ten percent of the people have. All the toilet paper. Okay, I'm sounding a little ranty, aren't I? Okay, moving on to the next thing. I made some notes here. So we talked about toilet paper. Um, okay, a friend of mine, this came up a couple of months ago, and uh, we were talking about biblical end times. And she was stressed out. I've known her forever. And she was stressed out. I said, what, what is it about the Bible that's stressing you out that you're seeing? And she said, everything that's going on, weather, politics, money, all signs in the Bible that the end is coming. And the coronavirus is one too, i.e. mass disease. You can't think too long about it, though. It can freak you out. And I think she's talking about the book of Revelation. She's not a religious nut by any means. Doesn't go to church. Doesn't. Uh, she's just not a religious person. You know, maybe moderately or low-moderate religious I am not a religious person. I grew up going to church every Sunday. Church, Sunday school, youth group, Bible camp, vacation Bible school. Um, I probably know more about the Bible and Christianity than I should, and I'm proud of that. I think it gives me a good perspective. Then I can get to decide whether I want to believe and follow and be faithful. I don't necessarily believe in the book of Revelations. I think that people have been predicting the end of the world since the beginning of the world, and nobody has been correct so far. Um, uh, but that was just another thing that I wanted to throw in there. Uh, probably the most panic-inducing thing that I brought so far up in the podcast is that somebody thinks that the book of Revelations predicts all of this. Next thing here, um, Christy Steve's wife is kind of a firecracker. I like Christy. Uh, she is loud. She's in your face. She'll tell you what she thinks. Um, and she was, a, who knows, whether she's at Walmart or Cub or Byerly's or whoever, saw a guy with a cart full of toilet paper, a cart full of toilet paper, and she called his ass out on it. Good. And she said, you've got all the toilet paper. There's none left. I Will you give me a package? And I don't know what the wording was, but he did, and she brought home toilet paper. Fallon's husband, Jake, was on a quest for toilet paper on Friday, went to five stores, couldn't find it, gave up, went home. Yesterday, or then today, Saturday, I saw Fallon posted, uh, could have been yesterday, Friday, 
but it's on her Instagram with her very happily holding a pack of toilet paper. Okay, again, you know how I feel about the toilet paper thing. It doesn't really make sense, but move on. Uh, the latest this afternoon, travel ban from Great Britain. Uh, doesn't surprise me. I think that's probably a good idea. I think that a lot of people are going, we're being way too overly cautious, way too careful, way too panicky about it. And I don't know that that's necessarily true. We may look back at this. Think about it in this perspective. Here's a good way to look at it. In a year, we, when we know what the outcome is going to be or what we're in the middle of, you know, in a year, anything can happen. It can be all completely, totally behind us. And it, we could have breathed a collective sigh of relief months ago, or we could be in very dire straits. I don't know. Nobody knows, and that's the hard part. But in a year, wouldn't you rather look back and say, I'm really glad we were careful and got that all under control and everybody survived and, you know, I don't know whether, you know, maybe great-grandma died, but not all of your friends and your family wouldn't you rather say in a year, I'm glad we were careful because God knows what would have happened rather than, holy shit, I wish we would have taken it more seriously at the beginning. If there are two options, don't you think the first option is the one we want? Aren't we glad we were careful because we don't know what would have happened rather than, oh my God, I wish we all would have taken it more seriously philosophically the first one is the real the only real answer so take it seriously wash your hands try to isolate yourself socially a little bit let's go through this and see what happens you know you look at this sometimes and i know if you're i'm going to guess you're old enough to remember the y2k crisis which was 20 years ago the crisis that never was and that was i don't have to explain it but everybody thought your computer would shut down when it became midnight January 1st of 2020, or 2020, 2000, um, because computers in 1999 and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and it didn't happen. Almost nothing happened. Was it because we were prepared and overly cautious, or was it because there never was any real danger in the first place? I don't know, but I know that a lot of companies were like, we're Y2K compliant. Yep, our computers, our cars, our software, our phones are Y2K compliant. I don't know whether they were or not, but we look back at the Y2K and we kind of smirk at ourselves and we say, we were a bunch of dummies back then because nothing happened. Well, did nothing happen because they fixed it or was nothing ever going to happen in the first place? Okay. Um, uh, to plan, I'm trying to read my sloppy handwriting here. Unnecessary testing, and we're going to wrap up here in a second. Um, people want to be tested. And I heard Heidi Klum, I just read a little while ago, I opened up my news app a minute ago. Heidi Klum's like, I don't feel like, I feel like I might have something and I want to be tested, but I can't get a test. Don't you worry about people, Marge, Karen, and Richard are all getting into the car and going down to the clinic to be tested because they got the sniffles, okay? I don't think that you need to just because you get the sniffles. I think that if you get sick, you shouldn't necessarily get a test right away. I think that the t I worry that people will panic and want a test and then next week want another test and then next week want another test. I mean, right now, if you could like, you know, have a test that took 30 seconds to find out if you had the coronavirus, you would do it, right? I would too. 
Well, unfortunately, that doesn't exist. And if I had that test, but somebody else that really seemed like they might be sick, they could take it. I'd rather they have it than me. So um, I'm trying to read, and I really can't read my own writing. I think I had a last-second idea before I did the podcast, and I really (laughs) can't read it. So we're going to wrap up here. Hey, listen. Um, I know this is a little bit different of a podcast and, and I'm trying to keep things lighthearted and I feel really, I feel a lot better today after seeing what was going on at Cub and seeing some of the news kind of, oh, I wrote the word plateau. That's what it says. It looks like it says plant head, but it's not plant head. It's plateau. I don't know. In another week, the idea that things are plateauing could be absolutely wishful thinking. I don't know. I think it is premature to say that anything is plateauing at this point because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen next week. We really don't. We could be in a full-blown, fucked-up panic by this time next week. We really don't know. But at some point, the Spanish flu epidemic of 1918 came to an end and was forgotten by people like you and me, and it was in the history books. So it came to an end. Um, you know, millions of people died and we hope it doesn't end that way here, but things come to an end. And I remember this, and here's a little bit of philosophy from my book, um, or that I learned at Philmont Scout Ranch. And I've shared this with you a million times when I was hiking along and I got a 40 pound backpack and it's in the desert and it's 40 or it's 90 degrees out and we're tired and we've been hiking for 15 miles already and we're climbing up a hill. And we're climbing up a hill and you get to what they call a false summit where you think you're at the top and then you look up and it's like, no, you're nowhere near the top. It occurred to me, no hill goes up forever. No hill goes up forever, no matter what. They just don't. There's going to be a point where you plateau and coast down the other side. Now, the peak, the summit might not be as close as you and I would want, but it is there because there's never been a hill ever that goes up forever. Now, I don't know if this this analogy applies in this situation. It's not necessarily a hill. I don't know if that's the perfect analogy here, but I would say that no matter what we're facing, you know, if we stay calm, the advice that was during World War II and the bombings and the Battle of Britain, stay calm and what keep calm and carry on. The reason that those lived, that that people didn't forget that is because it's true. Keep calm, carry on, live your life, be careful, wash your hands, turn the water off while you're washing your hands, um, be responsible. Don't pretend that, you know, if we do nothing, that'll just go away. Um, uh, don't overindulge in the news. Um, be cautious rather than be stupid. And then just, um, remember no hill goes up forever. So no matter what we're facing somewhere, we'll crest that summit and we'll go, ah, okay. looks like things are getting better. Hey, listen, thanks for listening to the podcast. Send me an email to Ryan Show. No, don't. Send it to Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. And, uh, you know, the funny thing about anything that we do in the coronavirus, it's instantly dated by the middle of next week. Anything I say now, if you listen to it on Wednesday, it can already be old news. So we'll see how it ages. I'm not really sure well how. But thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Thanks for spending some time with me. Have a great day. Um, and like I said, comments to Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. Thanks for listening. The book is, of course, take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. And it's available everywhere. Working on book two, slowly but surely. And that's it for this week on Take a Shower, 
show up on time, and don't steal anything. 